0: there welcome to another episode of buggy talk i'm your host tracy fredikowski each week i'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers for this week's episode we have a new author to the buggy talk miss joanne brown who will introduce us to her latest re-release where she belongs hello joanne how are you today i'm doing well thank you how are you I am doing great. I am so excited that you decided to hop on board with us on The Buggy Talk. I have a lot of our readers across the board for Amish Fiction always emailing me. And your name has come up a couple of times. A lot of your readers will be very excited to hear what you have to say. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm an introvert, so (laughs) I hide
1: in my office a lot.
0: Well, you can hide behind your microphone right now because um, we are going to talk about a little bit about your writing career, and then we're going to talk about where she belongs. But before we get started, I know that um, we had talked a little bit before I hit the record button that where she belongs is a re-release from Love Inspired. Tell us a little bit about how Harlequin or Love Inspired handles re-releases.
1: Well, they've been doing these for quite a few years as a two-for-one type of book, where you get two complete novels that were out a couple of years before, and they combine them in a book and make it available to the readers again. Recently, they've started putting new titles on the books. For example, this book includes My Amish Homecoming and Patricia John's Snowbound with the Amish Bachelor, but it's called Where She Belongs. So the title, Where She Belongs, is big at the top of the book, and then down below it says what the original titles are. So readers can be aware that, you know, maybe it's a book they missed, or maybe it's a book they passed on to someone else, and now they'd like to read it again. So it's their opportunity.
0: And you know, a lot of our readers read so many books that even if they've read it before, you know, five or six years ago, or however long it it was lots of times they'll even forget about it and there will be certain things in the story and well I've read that story before but I don't remember what's happening so let me finish reading the book so it's always good to bring back some of those favorite titles don't you agree I agree I mean I keep
1: a list of all the books I've read so when I go out to the bookstore I don't end up buying the same book all over again because I read a lot titles are similar And covers are similar. Like I said, go into the bookstore with this list and say, okay, I can
0: buy this one, but not that one. So I've learned to do that over the years. That was a great idea, Joanne. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Oh, no problem. I just got tired of spending money on books I'd read instead of books I wanted to read. They need to come up with something in the library system that's universal wherever you move that will be able to show you what books you've checked out before. That would be be a (laughs) great way to keep track of all that. Kind of like how Amazon says you've ordered this
1: book already, so you don't take it out.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because I've done that too. Well, Joanne, a lot of our listeners love to get an inside look at some of their favorite authors' writing careers. So I have a few questions I'd like to ask you. Are you ready? Go
1: ahead. All right.
0: Okay. So on a typical writing day, how much time do you spend actually writing? I usually spend about four to six hours at the
1: computer every day, usually like three to four in the afternoon, and then one to three late at night after uh, everybody else is in bed. But I'm usually working on scenes in my head when I'm away from the computer. Of course, if I'm on deadline, like I've been this last week, the hours get longer and the weekends (laughs) disappear. I just finished a marathon of writing every day for six to
0: eight hours for almost two solid weeks. My poor hands are tired and my brain is tired. So what do you think the most challenging part about writing is for you?
1: Believe it or not, it's the last scene of the book. It's always the most difficult part of the book for me to write. I want something that will satisfy the reader and hopefully make her want to come back to read another one of my books. But I also want the last line to reflect the character's journey. Or maybe it's as simple as I can't wait to type the end. When I used to put titles on my manuscripts when I sent them, and now I just put, you know, Amish book number, whatever, and send it in because I know the title will be changed. But when I used to put my title on my manuscripts, you could always find the original title for my book in the last sentence of the book. Just a little thing I did for myself because I I knew they were going to change the title and that way I could remember what it was.
0: Oh, what a great idea. <laughs> You're just <laughs> filling my head with great ideas today, Joanne. Thank you. That's wonderful. So how many books have you written now? This is, this is embarrassing to admit. I'm
1: not quite sure, but it's close to 150. Wow. I sold my first book back in 1987, and I've been blessed to have been steadily publishing since then, although I've done genres and publishers and publishing names a lot of times. Wow. So, do you have a
0: favorite after oh, after 150 books? Do you have one that just sticks out in your mind?
1: You know, that's a question every author hates. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably say A Search for Redemption that came out last year from Love Inspired Trade. It made me laugh and it made me cry while I wrote it. And the hero who'd just been released from jail became one of the most heroic characters I've ever had the pleasure to work with. I just, just, just love it when my characters reveal depths that surprise me, that they know secrets in them, that I never guessed until
0: until I started working with them. I love when characters do that. I love when characters write their own story. It makes our job really easy. (laughs) Oh, it sure does. Who was
1: it? John Gardner, I think, the author, and he also was a writing teacher who said he creates his characters and then just takes a notebook and follows them around writing down whatever they do Oh, those are the good days when you're writing it's the days when you're going oh god i don't know what to say next that are not so much fun
0: i know when your hands fly across the keyboards those are the best kind of days those are the best kind of days the days that you have to really sit there and You have an extra cup of coffee and you wander around your office and you go put the laundry in. Those are the kind of days that are struggles, but those days when your fingers just run across the the keyboard or your laptop or your computer, those are the most joyful days as a writer. Don't you agree?
1: I absolutely agree. One of the most exciting things for me is when I've had a tough day and the words were so hard to come by. And the next day I go in and I read it. And there's this one scintillating sentence. And I mean, I'm not talking just about the words are beautiful. It's the emotion is beautiful. And and I always say to my husband, oh, the good writing fairy came last night. Lousy words and made them
0: beautiful. So I love those days. Me too. So do you remember the first book that made you cry? I can
1: remember sitting in the town library when I was about 12 or 13 years old and crying my eyes out when I was reading A Wrinkle*. Oh, a Wind in the Door, which is a sequel to Madeline Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time. The little boy in the book's life was in danger, but her writing was so beautiful and the story was so poignant that it really just hit me in the heart. I read all three books of that trilogy every four to five years just to savor her skill and the strength of the characters. And I still cry when I get to that scene. I love books
0: like that. Francine Rivers tends to make me cry.
1: And Kristen Anna
0: makes me cry, sob. So I can't even read the pages. I have to put the book down, go away, find some Kleenex, clear my eyes and go back and start over. So as we're talking about books that we read, what's currently on your bedside table? Actually, I don't put books on my bedside table because if I did, I'd be reading all night.
1: What I'm reading right now is I've just started Irena's Children, which is about a woman the author calls the female Oscar Schindler, who saved at least 2,500 children during World War II in Poland. Mm. I'm on a nonfiction binge right now. I just finished Andy and Don, which was a joint biography of Andy Griffith and Don Knotts. Always been a big Mayberry fan. I love that sense of community. I think is one of the reasons I write Amish romances because you have that wonderful sense of community in the books. But I'll get back to fiction in probably a
0: couple weeks. Talking about nonfiction, I've been reading, it's called In Hot Pursuit, and it's the history, a hidden history of the Underground Railroad in Lawrence County, Pennsylvania. And my Amish stories take place in Lawrence County in Pennsylvania. So when I came across this book about the Underground Railroad, I just had to pick it up and i it was just fascinating, you know, and I'm not much of a history buff. I was just pulled into this book probably because I knew the landmarks they were talking about because I grew up. Up in that area, so it was so interesting to read a nonfiction book about a fictional place that I write about. So that was that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that, but
1: that that is cool. I I was a history major, so I love getting into all of this stuff, especially when the author is really clever and can tell the story in an anecdotal way that makes it seem like a story. I just love books like that, and the one I'm reading is great so
0: far. Thank you so much for sharing so much about your history and how you got started writing and what your writing days look like. Now we get to the part where we actually get to talk about where she belongs. So before we talk about that, I like to read the back matter from your book, just so that we can give our listeners a little insight to what we're going to talk about. Okay. Sounds good. All right. This is Joanne Brown's Where She Belongs. Her story, An Amish Homecoming. Ten years ago, Amish quilt maker Lee Byler and her twin brother left their community without a word. Now she's come home with her orphaned niece. Before she left, she dreamed of marrying handsome dairy farmer Ezra Stolfus. But now that she's raising a child who knows nothing of Amish ways, Ezra worries she'll leave again. Lee will have to prove to Ezra that her future is in Paradise Springs with him. Ooh, that sounds interesting. I wonder why she left in the first place. Hopefully, you'll reveal a little bit of that in the story. So how about you tell us what your inspiration for this story was?
1: Honestly, I wanted to write more Amish books. I'd worked on a couple of Amish books for Berkeley with a co-writer. At the same time, I was doing Regencies for Love Inspired. I just wanted to switch to writing Amish for Love Inspired, so I sat down and bra- began brainstorming. The idea that intrigued me most was, was it really impossible to go back home again? That led me to Leah Byler as well as Ezra Stolfo's and his big family who go on to be the hero and heroine of the rest of the Amish Hearts miniseries. It ran to seven books and one novella. This was the
0: beginning of something big, as they say. Well, how about you tell us a little bit about the story, but don't give us any spoilers. Okay. Like I said, I wanted to explore
1: if it was possible to act as if a decade of your life can be put behind you. And an Amish girl jumped the fence with her brother and come back as a woman with a child to face the man she once had a big crush on. Having a little girl who knew virtually nothing about Amish life and its community appeased me into writing this story, too. Because I was learning along with her. But it's about the hero and how the past 10 years have changed him, even though he never left his life and his family. It's about trusting yourself and your heart, as well as trusting another person won't do something intentionally or unintentionally, as in their past, to hurt you. So that's what these two characters have to learn. Where did you set the story at, Joanne? It's in Lancaster County. I had lived in southeastern Pennsylvania 15 years before, so I decided to make it an area I was familiar with because when I started this book, I was living in Las Vegas, and there are no Amish out there. (laughs) No, (laughs) there is not. Uh, Although you will see Mennonites out there. You will not see Amish. I was pretty familiar with this area, and Paradise Springs in the book is a very thinly disguised paradise, Pennsylvania. What I didn't realize when I started was how much I didn't know about the township and the Amish. I had to get a really sharp learning curve to find out stuff I didn't know and get rid of the assumptions of what I thought I knew and which was wrong. I was a history major. I love the research. So this was a joy to me.
0: So if there was something in the book that you wanted your readers to take away, what would be the key message you'd hope they see in the story?
1: Well, because these books are inspirational aimed at the Christian market, I guess the theme is that God has a path for all of us, and it often has surprising twists and turns. But if we trust in God, we find his path takes us where we wanted to go, or to refer back to the anthology's title, to where
0: we belong. Pretty much the central theme. Well, that would be a great message to take away. Our readers absolutely enjoy when the author reads a pivotal scene or the very first page of her story or his story?
1: I can't believe my eyes. Is that who I think it is? Ezra Stoltzfus looked up from the new buggy he'd been admiring. His older brother Joshua had done an excellent job with the courting buggy he was building for his son. It was low and sleek, exactly what his nephew Timothy would want when he was ready to ask a special girl to let her take him to let him take her home from a singing. He was about to ask Joshua what he was talking about, but then looked through the large glass window at the front of his brother's buggy shop in the small village of Paradise Springs. Every word fled from his mind. It couldn't be. Not after all this time. It had been ten years. Getting out of the family buggy in the parking lot of the line of shops connected to the Solskir's market, was a slender woman dressed in dressed plain in dark purple. And beneath her black bonnet, her white cap peeked out along with her golden hair that glistened in the spring sunshine. A small black dog jumped from the buggy but stayed close to the woman as she spoke to someone inside and smiled. It was Leah Byler. He couldn't have forgotten Leah Byler's heart shaped face with the single sem- dimple in her left cheek. Not if he tried. And the good Lord knew how much he tried for the past 10 years since she and her twin brother Johnny left Paradise Springs. They'd gone without telling anyone where they intended to go. They hadn't come back until today.
0: That's the first page. Well, that is very interesting, and it sounds like I'd want to read more of your story. So, Joanne, thank you for giving us a little insight into your story. How about you tell us if there's anything you're currently working on that you'd like to share? Just the book I just finished up, fourth book of my Amish of Prince Edward
1: Island series for Love Inspired. A lot of people are curious if the Amish really are on Prince Edward Island, and they are. They have two communities there. The book will be coming out in March of 2024. I just found that out yesterday. But I'm also working on the last bits for A Hope for Healing, the fourth book in my Secrets of Bliss Valley miniseries, which is coming out July 18th. It's another book that made me laugh and cry when I wrote it. It's my favorite kind. Much better than those books that leave me with bruises from banging my head on the computer screen. So. I,
0: have I know, some you know the us. feeling. <laughs> I do. I have some of those. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we'll be sure to get you back on the buggy talk for your upcoming releases. So this comes to the part in my interview where I do this silly little fun round where we really get to know some personal stuff about Joanne. Are you ready? I hope so. Okay. (laughs) So all I'm going to do is ask you three questions. You just pop whatever comes off to the top of your mind and don't stress out about it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this particular story um, where she belongs released around Valentine's day, and we are recording this in the beginning of March. So Valentine's day is still pretty fresh in our mind. How about you tell us what your hubby got you for Valentine's day?
1: Oh, he took me out to dinner at our our favorite restaurant, which is a poke restaurant. My dad lives with us, so we always make sure we have date nights. And uh, that's
0: one of our favorite places to go. All right, question number two. Why don't you tell us what your favorite classic love story is?
1: Well, it's not, it's a modern
0: classic, but it's Homefront by uh, Kristen Hanna.
1: The heroine is a military officer and i really connected because i spent time in the army as a military officer and i just loved the story and it was a book it was the book i talked about before where i had to stop reading because i was crying so hard and i couldn't see the words it really
0: touched me oh we'll have to look that one up okay and my last question is if you could go anywhere you want on vacation where would it be
1: new zealand I want to see the fjords down there. I've seen the fjords in Norway and they're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But I hear the ones in New Zealand are just as magnificent.
0: That sounds exciting. So thank you so much for answering our little fun round. Is there any message you'd like to say to your readers?
1: Just thank you so much for supporting our books and allowing us to do the job we love. It's, it's just such an honor to be able to write these books. And I know that sounds cliche, but, you know, when I was a little kid dreaming of writing books, it's just as good as I thought it would be, except on
0: those bad days. <laughs> you know? When you're pounding your head against your lap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Joanne, I want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. And to all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of Where She Belongs, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracyamishbooks.com, or you can go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape, as well as my latest release, Barbara's Amish Truth Exposed.